Brother Pat said we're in Hebrews chapter 10. We're looking at verse 31. Once again, we'll start with reading uh, verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let's pray. Father God, as we assemble this morning, Lord, we first ask that you would forgive our sins and trespasses according to this good word that we have before us, Lord, that believing we may have life in the name of Christ, and that if we ask uh, for forgiveness, Lord, with repentance and faith. Uh, you have eagerly met that with such, Lord. We just thank you for that forgiveness, Lord. We thank you that it is uh, grace and mercy that is shown upon our lives each morning as we wake, Lord, knowing that uh, as human beings we may not even go, Lord, a full day without sin, but uh, against whom we have sinned, there is a promise that in seeking him, and entrusting in him that these may be forgiven, and uh, even better, that these may uh, be paid for upon Calvary's cross, or that which is already finished. Lord, as we consider that this morning, we pray that uh, through the person of Christ, you would reveal to us uh, all that you have willed for mankind, or in all that you have done for mankind, and all that you continue to do as we see our Savior seated at the right hand of the Father, serving as, of course, prophet and priest and king and Lord of all lords, Lord, as mediator and advocate for sinners saved by grace. Lord, we thank you for that. Ask that you enable us in spirit and in truth to worship this morning, that it would be well-pleasing unto you as it should contain the savor and the smell of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I want to begin looking as we consider the text of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31. In light of, of the paragraph in which it is contained, we began looking there uh, in verse 26 
and we're reminded there has been sort of a shift uh, in not necessarily the context, but uh, in some ways the audience that is presented for us uh, there uh, with 26. We, we considered up until verse 24 those uh, of the body of Christ who were to consider certain things and to remember uh, all throughout Hebrews this Jesus, the Christ, this Savior, this better promise, this better covenant, His blood which is redeeming. And now we're seeing the alternate side of that, those which have heard of and have tasted and have seen this Christ, but not to the fullness in which they would receive salvation. This morning we're reminded of that as we think of what verse 29 uh, began to reign in for us, the reality of severe punishment, terrible and terrifying expectation of judgment, verse 27. We began to look at the small words and phrases which make up verse 31. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. A terrifying thing that in verse 27 was called a terrifying expectation. And then with uh, the beginning of verse 31, we see two small words, it is. It is. If we were to receive these words out of context, we may be left wondering what it is or who it is or how it is. But really this morning the text is clear. At this point when we receive these two small words, thus far in the text, uh, there is no subjective truth. There is nothing left to the imagination or to your own understanding. There is no uh, subjection in what the meaning of the text has been. There is no, if you will, man's interpretation, but there is only God's interpretation by the word of his power and by the Savior, his Son, and the Spirit in whom we find revelation of this truth. What I'm saying is that when we see it is... It truly is not up for debate. It is not different for one than the other. It is applies to all in whom it is referencing. Either there are those who have heard of this Christ and have heard the good news of the gospel and have towards Jesus Christ repented of their sins and fallen on hands and knees and thanked this God for his saving power or either there are those who have heard and who have tasted and who have denied with willful sin with habitual practice of worldliness and this morning when we see the word it is again there is no subjective truth but only objective reality there is left to the creation of man's mind no possibility as to what occurs for the believer or the unbeliever in terms of life and death that is to say that when we read the passage uh, there is no guessing or there is no multiple uh, possibilities of what will happen if you believe in christ there is but one life eternal and encompasses course salvation sanctification justification righteousness holiness transformation 
being born again. And it also means that there is left to man's mind no possibility of what happens to the unbeliever. That means that there is no wondering what would happen if we find ourselves amidst those willfully sinning, verse 26 those in opposition to the gospel and the Christ of the gospel. It means that we will suffer uh, most certainly death. And not just the death of the mortal body, but the death in which the wrath of God continues eternally. Not just the body, but the soul. A reaping of the reward that is due sin. Now, in the text, as we arrive at verse 31, when it says, It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, we see that there remains only one objective truth present throughout verses 26 through verse 30. This morning, that objective truth must carry a clear message within the preaching of verse 31. It should not be merely a message of death and judgment, but as with any text, it must focus upon Christ. And in our seeing the objective truth for unbelievers who have rebelled against God and His Son, the Savior, Jesus Christ, we must focus upon Christ and see that the text is pointing us that we may note that it is He who is responsible for both outcomes either for the believer or the unbeliever. It is left and commended unto His hand, the only begotten Son, both judgment and reconciliation. For one, we may be joyous, happy, and satisfied. For the other, 